Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly. Which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast, is a CastBox original produced in partnership with our friends at Studio 71. CastBox is the fastest growing, highest rated podcast app on both iOS and Android. And all of your favorite podcasts are there, ripe for the downloading. Sacred Symbols is available wherever you get your podcasts, of course, but we hope you'll give CastBox a shot. We think it's pretty rad. To get each episode of Sacred Symbols three days before the public, completely ad-free, please consider supporting the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash Stand. Perks for support include not only getting the show early and ad-free, but you can also gain access to monthly exclusive podcasts, and supporting on Patreon is the only way to get your listener mail read on the air, and much more. Plus, supporting Sacred Symbols on Patreon also nets you perks for other Collins Last Stand shows automatically, including the Nostalgia and Retro Podcast Knockback, the YouTube series dedicated to gaming called SideQuest, and the eclectic interview podcast Fireside Chats. Thank you for your generosity, kindness, and support. Without you, Sacred Symbols and all things Collins Last Stand would not exist. But enough of that. On to the show. Greetings and salutations. Welcome back to Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast. This is episode 37. My name is Colin Moriarty. I'm joined as always by his T-shirt is tucked in. Chris Raygun. Is it? Yeah, your T-shirt's tucked in. Oh, whoa. That was a mistake. I didn't uh, mean to do that. I mean, your t- I thought it was a look. So you you're wearing your <laughs> usual black jeans, your sneakers. You have a black your black coat. That's kind of like a black coat, it's like a sweatshirt and also a vest. Yeah, it's a mix. And then you have but you have a T-shirt on, and the T-shirt is tucked in. 
And yeah. I thought that this was part of the look. No, I woke up in a complete haze this morning because mm. I couldn't sleep. I have this weird habit of waking up and then going back to sleep. Mm. And I'm trying to like not do that, but it didn't work this morning. <laughs> I have a weird habit the last couple of weeks, as I said, of just been staying up so exorbitantly late. Five, six, seven in the morning. Yeah. And three days ago, I started watching Game of Thrones again because I, I stopped watching Game of Thrones somewhere, I think, in the third season or something. And I watched one whole season of Game of Thrones in one day and then the second season in the second day. Jesus and then Christ. eight out of ten episodes the third day while like playing Vita and just dicking around and getting work done. So not really like yeah, paying very it. close attention to it. But I'm going to now because now I'm getting into the territory I've never seen before. And, uh, you know, it's an interesting show. So it's throwing off my schedule as well. My schedule, as they might say in the UK. That's gross and wrong. Schedule. Yeah, I don't like that. Legendary. Ugh. It's very labored. I mean, we've talked about this before. It's very difficult to speak English that way. Right. Well, like in the English way? <laughs> yeah, in the English fashion. You know, we I'm speak, convinced, we've I'm, simplified it so much, haven't we? Oh, yeah. I'm convinced we won the war because they kept adding unnecessary U's into things that didn't right. need them. Well, that gave them away. Maybe they gave their spy letters away. We know that this is from a British Tory because there is a U in labor. Yeah, exactly. And who would put a U in labor? Who would put a U in all of these words? A downright terrorist. They are a little terrorists, aren't they? The little lobster backs. <laughs> Chris, we're glad to be here. For those that don't know, this is a PlayStation podcast. It goes up every Tuesday on Patreon at patreon.com slash Collins Last Stand. Ad free, exclusive. But if you want to listen to it for free on Free Feeds Beef, free loaders with ads. That's okay, too. We appreciate you there yeah. as well. Leave us nice reviews on iTunes, etc. But if you want early access, the ability to submit questions, comments, concerns, thoughts and ideas, exclusive podcasts, etc., Consider supporting us on Patreon. We're going to talk a little more deeply about Patreon in just a moment because someone wrote in about it. I wanted to start out, though, Chris, before we get any further, noting that Sekiro Shadows Die Twice, which is the upcoming From Software game being interestingly published by Activision, which is an unusual marriage. Yeah. That game comes out on March 22nd ish. And word is going around that review copies simply are not going to be put out into the wild for even for, you know, us, even for podcasters, but press too. And I reached out to Activision last week and I haven't heard back from them about this, but I wanted to let you guys know because this is a game Chris and I want to play, but it seems like they're not going to give early access to it. I don't know if that bodes well for the game or not. I can't imagine From is making a bad game, but maybe it's not very good. That's but, really what Do they give yeah. out uh, review copies for their other games? Call of Duty is typically very close to the best and often Activision would send people to places to play the game early. So when I was in media, which was a while ago, I don't know if they still do this. Basically, instead of sending us the game, which would be 99 out of 100 games, they would fly us to like a hotel somewhere and yeah. just put us up in a room with the game and that's how you play it so i don't know if they're doing that for a second row maybe they are but i just wanted to throw that out there because we would like to talk about the game but we're probably going to be a bit a, a little bit late on that and activision has worked with us in the past so that's not a huge concern for us i also want to shout out because chris noticed i was downloading the division two while he walked in that our friend bunty king who you guys might know our quebecois friend yeah. up there in montreal you know he's a gamer he's a friend of ours he's a comedian he's a funny guy very handsome beautiful smile I mean, he's OK. And he reached out to me because we've been talking about The Division for a while. The Division 2 is a game we're all very excited about. And he was like, well, what's going on with Ubisoft PR and stuff? I actually reached out to Ubisoft and again, reached out on, on their Twitter account as well. Have not heard back from anyone. But Bunty put me in touch with like an agency person in Quebec or in Canada that was handling Canadian press. And he gave me a code. Well, Canada did something good for once. So I was happy about that. The We have some foreign love. He asked. <laughs> The PR guy, a very nice man, asked us if we have a Canadian audience. And I was like, of course we have a Canadian audience. For Sacred Symbols is global. I hear you guys especially like to listen to it in cities like Calgary and Winnipeg and Yellowknife and Moose Jaw Yellowknife. and Medicine Hat. Those are all real places in Canada. Yellowknife, that's a cool name. Yeah, Yellowknife. I, I like think, that one. I think Yellowknife was or is the capital of the 
Northwest Territories, which I don't even think exists anymore. I think it's got another name now. I forget how to call it, what, what its name was, but I think in the late 90s, or early 2000s, they created a new province that was for the Inuit, like for the the native peoples. And that used to be called the Northwest Territory, I think. I am no Canadian scholar, Chris. Chris, the other question I want to ask is, we've been getting some complaints. They're not many. Not, not many people say anything about it. But we do the drop every week. We read the game list off. This is a tradition of mine going way back to Podcast Beyond. And it, the reason we started doing this a long time ago is because there's always something terrible in there. <laughs> but we've been getting some complaints like, why are we doing this? And so when this podcast goes live on Patreon, concurrent to this podcast going live on Patreon, there will be a poll. Only patrons will be able to give us their opinions on the poll, but right, that's that the way it's going to be. And the poll is simply going to read, should we continue to read the games or not every mm -hmm. week? The answer to that poll, which will run until Sunday, right before episode 38 goes live, will determine the future of the drop. Okay. That's how democratic we're going to be. That's pretty good. I like it. This could very well be the last episode we ever do it. It's a damn shame. It is what it is. I want to please the people. Yeah. Christian Ruas wrote into us on Patreon, just like you can, and said, clarification or correction. On the yearly past system of Division 2, though I don't think you got anything wrong in the past specifics, it is important to note that this is not the first time Ubisoft has done the early access to DLC content, specifically with games like Rainbow Six Siege and For Honor. These games also have yearly passes that give you access to characters a week early, though these characters can be unlocked through, through in-game currencies. Though I'll be curious what Division 2 will be like for the community since it is expansions and character classes that are being given early. Thank you for your time. Wanted to read that out because we did get an error last week in talking about the Division 2's DLC pack, which gives everyone, basically, it's basically a pass for just early access to things that will be free. According to Christian, this is not necessarily uncommon with Ubisoft, but I never played For Honor because I'm not a gigantic nerd. And Rainbow Six Siege, of course, is, is, not a, is just yeah. not a game for It's Colin. a multiplayer game. Just not a game for Colin. For Honor was pretty good. It reminded me of the early spirit of UFC in a weird way. Remember, remember kind UFC of, yeah. back in the, like where the sumo wrestler would fight the Taekwondo <laughs> guy? It was yeah, kind of like yeah. really Street Fighter. It's kind of cool to watch a samurai in a night fight, I guess. It was like Def Jam Vendetta or something. Yeah, exactly. Well, like fighters. Yes, exactly. That's an even better reference. Thank you for that. Connor Peterman wrote into us and said, Hi, Studious Colin and Stalwart Chris. Ooh. When can we expect the Vita Funeral Pyre? Would you live stream it or put a video together? If the latter, I would like to do something with an element of comedy. Thanks for all you guys do. So I reached out briefly to Chris yesterday. Yeah. I want to hire Chris to make the video. Um, <laughs> we have to talk about how much that's going to cost and what we can do. But uh, what would happen if I were to simply say, Chris, make a five minute or less video about the death of the Vita? The only vision I have, this is a funny vision I have, and I don't know if I should share it on the show. And I don't know if it's really even that funny. You know how you have like, you know, you die and you have the pallbearers that carry the funeral, like the, the casket. Yeah, yeah. It'd be funny to make like a very small casket for the but Vita. But have like 10 and, people and have like it. Yeah, and have like a bunch of people carrying it, but it's just a small, very small box. I was, thinking, I was box. something super similar, actually. So there could be, so, so we're, we're working on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, and by we, I mean Chris. Uh, but we haven't really talked about it. Unfortunately, I have a doctor's appointment right after this episode, so we will not be able to convene on it. But Chris is the man that will, I hope, be taken care of it if we can meet his price. And Chris's price is often very steep. I'll get it done. Matthew Setapani wrote into us and said, Hey, Colin and Chris, I need to apologize to you. I'm a bit of a Patreon noob. I just became a Patreon. I would have become a patron way, and he says way earlier. Yeah, that's a lot of whys. But I was under the impression that all of your podcasts were stream only for day one access. This obviously isn't the case. Maybe there are other noobs like me out there. Keep up the amazing content. So when I see this and I see questions like this every once in a while, Chris, I'm like, am I not being clear? Am I not being lucid? Because I don't try to talk about Patreon like forever. I put a little ad in front of the show and then we mention it a couple of times. But am I not being lucid about what it's all about? So I want to just be really clear. The show is free for everybody. The show is totally free and you can listen to it. And most of you do listen to it on iTunes. We put it on YouTube as an audio only file because some people like to listen to it there. You can listen to it on you know, Stitcher and whatever, CastBox. Yeah, yeah. So I want to be very clear that you don't have to pay for the show. 
But the 5,000 or so people that do pay for the show get extra perks over at patreon.com slash Collins Last Stand. So if you submit a dollar a month or, or pledge at that tier, you get an exclusive podcast from one of my runs, whether it's Knockback or Sacred Symbols. $2 a month is what, how you submit questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, and ideas. $5 a month is how you get early ad-free access to all the shows, etc. So go over there and check it out and read carefully, you know, in case I'm not being clear. We don't stream anything. We don't do anything live. That's not that's yeah. not the Colin Moriarty way. So that is the Chris Reagan way. I've been watching you on Twitch every so often. Yeah, sometimes. You basically put out a Twitch message like when you went live saying about how you were basically begging for early death but it was much funnier than that <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I can you can relate. have custom like you've just gone live messages right. so i switch it up every time yeah it was fun, it was, fun. Was, it was very funny it was very cute i just wanted to throw that out there in case people are confused and finally will han wrote into us before we get into what we're playing chris he says hey guys so this is a question for you colin i heard from dagan's q a now dagan is my brother and we've mentioned him all the time but he does my other podcast knockback with me he said that you have never chewed gum in your life is this true if so, that's insane. Even if you don't like gum, I feel like you have to at least have had it once in your life. This question must be answered. So I've never had gum. What? And I hate it. What I do hate, you mean? How can you know if you hate it? Because if I just don't it? like this idea. Like, I don't even like being around people chewing gum. What does that mean? Yeah, I, I don't, don't understand. Like, I don't like the smell of the gum. I don't like the noise of the gum. I don't like this idea that you're eating this thing over and over again for perhaps <laughs> hours at a time. You're I'm very put off by it. this thing over and over again. I'm very put off by it. That's so shocking. That's genuinely shocking to me, especially considering the fact that you grew up in New York where the streets are like half gum. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, and my mom and dad, shoot, you know, not so much anymore, but they used to. And I, but I just I'm so grossed out by it. And it's like something that people around me know. But I have a confession. I never I never talked about this publicly. OK, <laughs> when I was like in fourth or fifth grade, my mom, when I was young for a long time, she was like an executive at this Delta connecting airline that was based in New England. She was like a head of the flight attendants. And so I used to travel with her like sometimes on weekends and shit. And we were in New Hampshire at Pease Airport, which is like this very small airport in Newington and Portsmouth in southern New Hampshire. And there was like a machine and they didn't have like like a food machine, but they didn't have like anything in it. Yeah. So the only thing they had were like these gum packets and I got winter fresh gum, like the blue package of gum. Yeah. And then I tried it, like just tried, like smelled it and threw it away. And that was the closest I ever got to, wow. to eating it and having a piece of gum. Yeah. I, I thought you were going to say something like traumatic. Like this is like the first confession that I have, but it's really just you tried, you vaguely tried a piece of gum and, yeah. and then didn't continue. Yeah, as I recall, I might have even been like in the bathroom when I was doing it or something. Well, that's pretty disgusting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know why. Like it was a secret. <laughs> you know, I don't I don't know. I don't really. I have this vague memory. That's really that. weird, man. I don't, uh, know. I don't know what to say about that one. Yeah, it is a little weird, isn't it? Chris, what games are we playing? Let's start with you. You have a few interesting games written down here. Talk to me about your gameplay the last week. Yeah, so I've been continuing with Far Cry and Anthem and I'm getting a little bit more into them. I was initially kind of put off by them, but like I feel like I, I have this thing where like the game that I'm I've just finished playing. I expect kind of that experience out of the next thing because I'm just like acclimated to a certain experience, but I'm getting into Far Cry a little bit more. I'm enjoying it a little bit more than I was initially. Anthem is still kind of weird for me. I'm kind of getting the hang of it. I still think it's a bit undercooked, but I think I'm starting to get what they're trying to do. But I have been playing a lot of uh, Devil May Cry. Devil May Cry, Devil May Cry 5. 5, which is the most recent thing that I've been playing. And it's very, very good. I don't really, I haven't played a lot of the previous ones, or at least like not to completion. The last one I played, I think was like four a little bit. I really liked three. I didn't play, I didn't really care for the first two. And DMC, honestly, I thought was fine. Honestly. The ninja. If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna have like a hot take. Right. I thought DMC was fine. That was a very divisive game. For people that don't know, DMC was a, was what, a Ninja Theory game yeah, that yeah. came out maybe five years ago. It definitely, I feel like it wouldn't have had such a bad time if it wasn't called Devil May Cry, if it was just called something else. That game was entirely fine to me. But this, this game's really, I'm really liking it, and I didn't think I would, just because, you know. It's never really grabbed me in the past. Sure. Very fast. Very yeah. uh, Japanese. It, it just feels good to play. It's goofy. It's got a lot of ridiculous slow-mo that I feel like is... 
I feel like he's really at home in like a kind of comedy toned game like this. Um, and it's not like overtly comedy. It's not like borderlands comedy, but it's like it doesn't take itself too seriously. It's fun. The combat is super fluid. It's satisfying to get chains. It's satisfying to get S rank. They have this weird multiplayer aspect of it that I thought was kind of neat where it's kind of like Dark Souls in the sense where like you see other people playing the game with you as different characters and you get to see their performance and you get to rank them at the end. I thought that was kind of cool. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's weird. I, so you I, get to rank them. You get to be like, oh, that was pretty stylish. Oh. XX uh, uh, RazorBeamTycoon.com. Right. Yeah, you know? that's <laughs> probably a name. That's probably a name somewhere. Yeah. Cool. There is some controversy now. People have been writing it. I don't know that I, I even put it in here anywhere. Is there a controversy about it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's just skip ahead here. Brandon Hardman wrote into us. We were going to do this at the end of the show, but let's just take his question now. He wrote in and said, hey, Colin and Chris, with all the hubbub surrounding the release of DMC5, I have to ask, should reviewers take points off? And he puts take points in quotes off of an otherwise highly polished gaming experience just because they find the combat mar or content rather, rather marginally offensive. I understand that offensive subject matter can affect someone's enjoyment of a game, but that seems like a pretty uh, subjective thing to critique a game on. Now, I don't know if you've seen this, but the game is being apparently or has been mildly censored for Western PlayStation 4 gamers only. On Xbox One, everywhere it's fine. On PC, everywhere it's fine. On PS4 in Japan, it's fine. And there's some screenshots of it. There's, I guess, a shot of maybe Dante or someone carrying a naked girl. And you yeah, can kind of yeah. see, like, maybe her vaginal area from behind. I don't think they actually show it. No. But there's, like, a lens flare now. Yeah, yeah, I saw it. that. I thought it was I thought that was silly. But I don't think it's, like, a huge controversy. I don't think it should lose points for that. That's right. A bit, that's a bit strange. No, I think so, too. And I think Brandon is more writing in because I, I wasn't reading too much about it. I don't really care a great deal about this game. But from the predictable corners of games media or whatever, people had been kind of harping on the game's sexual con content and whatever the case might be. And... I don't know. I don't know how you feel about Brandon's statement here, but to me, I, I just feel like everything about a review with really rare exception, like the specific frame rate or what a platform the game plays on or whatever, everything is subjective about a review. So taking points off of it for being too sexual or whatever, I, I don't think that's necessarily an invalid critique. I don't know that I would share that critique, but I feel that way sometimes. We were just talking about Game of Thrones. I'm like, sometimes this is like... <laughs> really quite erotic, you know, yeah. like if someone asked me to review it, I'd be like, I think it would be stronger if this wasn't there all the time personally. Right. So right. it's a similar thing. So who am I to say that that subjectivity is not necessarily that that doesn't necessarily belong in a review? Of course it does. I don't know. I, I don't know if I really feel any any which way about it. I think it's kind of silly that it's being censored, but I also just don't really care all that much because the game is really good uh, and it doesn't get worse with the addition of censorship to me. I would prefer it not happen. But at the end of the at the end of the day, the game is still the same ultimately right and it's a it's a good game and you should play it it's the, really solid yeah i think it looks pretty cool too i, I might pick it up at some i mean there's so many other games to play who yeah, knows yeah. If i'll ever get to it i really did want to get to the devil may cry i think they released some sort of collection back on ps3 and then i think they ported it to ps4 and i would like to play that even first yeah because i'm so unfamiliar i don't think i've played devil may cry since ps2 yeah i never really i never got into it but i think i might uh once i'm done with this i might retroactively go back into the uh catalog yeah there's no reason not to yeah now, Brandon, to your point, I, I think it's a strong point, but I just think you guys got to remember that reviews are subjective. They're totally subjective. So to say that this is also a subjective critique is silly to me. I think you can critique the content of a game. I think that you have the right subjectively to then critique the critique of the content and so on and so forth. And I think that there's plenty of critiques that are ridiculous. But having a problem with sexualized content in a game, I don't know, is necessarily a problem for me because I'm a bit prudish with that stuff in shows sometimes just because I think it's such a waste of time. Game of Thrones runtime is an hour and then there's like 15 minutes of just sex. It's yeah. boring. Like it's just a waste of time. I, I don't mind watching it. 
we all watch porn. Yeah, it's, it's not it's not offensive to me in that regard. Chris, I've been playing just a few random games. I played more Far Cry New Dawn. And by the way, I, I'm done with the game. I beat the game. I'm putting it away for a while because there's this one trophy in the game, ironically called anger management, which is <laughs> perfect. And you have to use the the skill that you get in the game. You know, like, I don't want to ruin it. It's too new. But you basically get a skill in the game that lets you like be use superpowers. And you have to get 10 kills within one bout of using these superpowers. And since I didn't do the trophy until late in the game, I, I have only strong enemies and strong outposts and strong expeditions. Oh, and there's ways to do it. And I was close a couple times, but I spent hours trying to get this trophy and it's fucking an annoying me. And so I'm just going to put the game away for now and I'll just go back and replay the game probably later in the year and just get to that point and keep all of the expeditions like level one and then just quickly get that trophy. So yeah. I've kind of put that game down. It's kind of ruined it for me. And I think that that's shitty because the game is great and that's just my trophy OCD. So Still a great game, but I wanted to note that. By the way, if you have any tips out there that are unorthodox for high-level people to get anger management, then let me know. But the helicopter trick and the expedition trick, and I can't get anything to work, but I'm also you know, somewhat stupid. I've also played in Platinum two Vita games this week. I picked up the game that we were talking about last week, Ghoul Boy. Yeah. I was saying that that game looked pretty cool. It's on PS4, and I played it on Vita. It's fine. Like It's very mm. pretty in some places. It's incredibly unstable on Vita. It crashed and froze a shit ton of times on me. It's not incredibly satisfying. I don't really recommend it. Maybe it is more playable on PS4, but I saw it through to the end nonetheless. There's like some Castlevania vibes in there. And I also picked up the game. I've actually had it for a while called Emerald Shores, which is like this kind of budget side scroller. It doesn't seem like it's incredibly sophisticated. It doesn't seem like it was made by more than one or two people. But I was looking for something to play while I was watching Game of Thrones. Where I don't really have to pay attention to the game. Yeah. And I platinum that, too. It's fine. I, it crashed my Vita again five, really? six times. Yeah. So does the Vita crash often? No, I should be clear. The Vita itself. I don't think I've ever had the Vita itself lock up. Right. And like have to be restarted. But games crash in different ways where you get like for Ghoul Boy, the game would just freeze and then I would have to shut it. Right. Right. And then sometimes it would crash with Emerald Shores. I would get a pop up crash with a notification and then it would crash. So. I don't know if it's just these two games I chose. Really not good ports. By the way, the Goop Boy port, inexplicable load times. Like, ridiculous load times for what it is. So, <laughs> if you want to play it, I think it looks cool and maybe you'll like it, but don't play it on Vita. And that's basically it. I'm looking forward to playing The Division. I'm sure I'll be spending a lot of time with that. As I said last week, I've been having quite a bit of writer's block with SideQuest, my YouTube channel. I just don't really know what to talk about. Like, I just don't feel like there's anything interesting happening, really, yeah. that I want to talk about. So I think maybe I'll focus on The Division 2 and playing it solo and maybe do a piece on that in the next week or two. So you guys can keep an eye out for that. Otherwise, let's just get into the news, shall we, Chris? Number one, Days Gone, the first big PlayStation 4 exclusive release of 2019, has officially gone gold, meaning the development team is done working on the core game and is preparing it for publish. The game is being developed by Sony-owned Oregon-based Ben Studio, and word of this milestone comes from their Twitter account. The game is still due out on April 26th, though you'll recall that the game was originally slated to have come out on February 22nd and was openly delayed in order to give the game more room to breathe on this release calendar. It's been noted online that the game is set to receive post-release DLC as well, though the nature and breadth of that DLC, as well as its timing, remains to be seen. There were a series of hands-on with Days Gone recently. We were not invited by Sony, yeah. Um, so we don't have any input on that. I'm kind of glad I don't really want to play the game early. I think I get it. Yeah, it's, it's pretty straightforward, I think. I think Kotaku noted that, I think they called it like, it's AAA, the video game. That's, I think, how they described it. Really? Yeah, which is interesting. Huh. 
That's an interesting way to put it. So we'll yeah. see. Neo JD wrote into us on Patreon, though, and he said, hello, Colin and Silly Chris. Days Gone is officially gone gold. I remember the first time I ever heard about this game was from Colin when he mentioned Dead Don't Ride, which feels like ages ago. Dead Don't Ride, for people that don't know, was the original name of the game that I first heard in like 2013 or 2014. They've I, never, think, they've I never, think that's a better name, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, I, I think so, too. They never publicly talked about it. Uh, that name, but that was what it was called. What are your feelings heading into the game now after recent previews have come out and make it sound like the game is in a much better place than previous builds? I have not been paying close attention to the build quality as people have been going hands on with it. The last time I saw it was at E3 in 2016 behind closed doors and it looked fine and I've seen enough. Yeah. I don't want to see any more of it. I don't care. I have no idea who the characters are. I don't know anything about the story. All I know is about the setting, the motorcycles, the so-called freakers. They're zombies. Yeah. <laughs> But otherwise, I'm, I'm just kind of in a, in a holding pattern. I'm waiting and we'll see how it all turns out from there. It looks entirely fine. I feel like it's going to be one of those really kind of just pretty good games is what it strikes me as. I feel like it's going to be like, I'm glad I played that. I don't think we're going to see, you know, something like The Last of Us out of it. I think it's just going to be like a pretty solid game. And I think that's OK. You know, games can just be OK. Games can just be pretty good. You don't have to have like a, a 10 out of 10, like mind blowing experience every time. I, agree. I there's, absolutely there's agree. room for like Devil May Cries, you know, that are just like really solid. I absolutely agree. I, I am curious how much Sony has spent on this game, but we did get a letter that I wanted to read as well. And this one comes from Ryan Milan, who wrote in, hey, Colin and Chris, just wondering if you've seen the rumor that The Last of Us Part 2 will be releasing in October this year. The leak apparently comes from Peruvian retailer Lawgamers, not the most reliable source, but it comes after the Destination PlayStation event. So I'm hoping there might be something in it. With the release date of April for Days Gone, it does seem like an October release, actually, of The Last of Us now gives the game enough of a buffer. And I do wonder if The Last of Us and Dreams at some point in its early access form, that might be all we get this year. I wonder if Ghost of Tsushima is getting, or was maybe always assumed to be in 2020. We're going to read a little bit about Death Stranding in a minute, yeah. which will indicate that it's definitely not coming out this year, etc. So I agree with you. Days Gone is interesting from the perspective of what it is, but it's also interesting in from the perspective of its proximity to The Last of Us. I'm not so sure if I was all that convinced that Ghost of Tsushima was coming out this year, just because we've seen so little of it. And it's already like, March. So I feel like it's probably a 2020 game at this point, especially if The Last of Us is being pushed, which we we don't know, but it seems like it's possible. Who knows? I mean, Sony's been very tight-lipped about this, which yeah. I think is smart. Give everyone the flexibility to work on their games, and yeah. there really is no rush. The PS4 is still doing great. There's lots of third-party games. But I'm excited about Days Gone. I'm looking forward to playing it, and yeah. I hope it's great. I am worried a little bit about Ben's long-term future, and I think it obviously depends on how this game is received. So this game is their first release since 2011. You know, it's 2019. It's a long time to make a game. And I understand that there were other yeah. things that they were doing. You know, I had heard rumors and I think that they were porting Golden Abyss, for instance, to PlayStation 3 for a while. They, they abandoned that idea and other kind of starts and stops, maybe with Siphon Filter. Oh, so it's also a smaller team. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't know if it's really that ex as expensive as it seems, but it just seems like Ben really needs to release a game that is worth it. And Sony doesn't shy away from shutting down its teams that don't actually perform not only well, but very well. They shut down. Cambridge, they shut down, you know, Zipper, they shut down a lot of these teams after they release these games that are good, but that don't do well. So hopefully Days Gone has some momentum behind it. We have not had a PS4 exclusive, AAA exclusive since Spider-Man. So mm -hmm. I think the audience might be engaged just because of that. We'll have to see. Yeah, but I'm I excited mean, to play. People it. seem to be pretty good on it. So number two. 
We have no idea when Death Stranding is supposed to come out, nor do we have a launch year, but we already know that the game is falling behind in production. Word comes by way of IGN, which translated an interview Death Stranding creator Hideo Kojima gave with Japanese publication J-Wave. Here's what he said, quote, It's common for studios to fall behind their planned release date, and Death Stranding is very slightly behind our initial plan, but not behind by much, end quote. Death Stranding is being held by Kojima, famous for his shepherding of the Metal Gear and Metal Gear Solid franchises, and is being published by Sony exclusively for PlayStation platforms. It's announced for PS4, by the way, but we, Chris and I still believe it's a PS5 game as well. The game entered pre-production in 2015 and was revealed at Sony's E3 press conference in 2016. There was some speculation that the game would come out this year, but that was unlikely to ever be in the cards. I think anyone that thought the game was coming out this year is insane. You're talking about a team that's making a AAA game. And they take years to make, and you're talking about Kojima. Yeah. Who famously takes forever to make games. So 2020, I think, might even be pushing it. But anyway... Death Stranding, all we know about it is that it is now slightly behind schedule. I feel like they started making that game before they knew what it was. I wouldn't be surprised at all if the CG, the beautiful cutscenes and kind of all that came out long before anything was working. Because I think they're using the Decima engine to make the game, which is the same engine. Is that Horizon? Yeah, it's Gorilla's engine. Yeah. And so they have a close connection with them. And I don't know. I think that you're probably right. I think Sony probably signed this deal with their eyes closed. And what's important to remember about this deal, though, Chris, is that it is a second party relationship. So what I'm interested in is if Sony has any back end kind of deals where they're going to be able to keep Kojima for multiple games are obviously going to own the IP. But should this game not do well, should this game be a dud, should this game do whatever, he can always walk away after this and with his team and make another game. The ultimate thing for me would be if Konami contracted Kojima Productions to make another Metal Gear game as an outside team, you know. Like if they could bury their hatchets and like get him the series back. I think that's kind of what people want. I mean, that'd be a nice uh, little dream. Yeah. In a fantasy world. Yeah, I agree. Where nice things happen all the time. I know. Nice things don't ever happen in my world. <laughs> I don't know about yours. <laughs> Number three, PlayStation 4's newest firmware update patch 6.50 is now live and it's a mandatory update if you've not yet downloaded it. The big addition of PS4 via this firmware is the ability to remote play your PS4 games on iOS connected devices using the PS4 remote play app on your phone or tablet. This is something that was only tethered to PS Vita and later to computers and laptops, but now that functionality could be brought with you on the go as well. Jordan Bross wrote in and said, hey, fellas, I read recently that the new PS4 update allows the streaming of PS4 games to a recently released PS Remote Play app for iOS. Does this further abolish any hope of a Vita successor, or does it instead open the path for some sort of official PlayStation device that uses the streaming tech? Does this idea or technology interest either of you? I myself feel a small twinge in my ball sack, but I'm afraid it's too soon to get a good feel for it. If you start feeling the twinge in your ball sack, you are definitely on to something. Yeah. And you should pay attention to the feeling in the grundle. But for me, Chris, I, I don't get excited about this because of the lack of the tactile nature of a phone. So even right. if the connection was good, I just don't understand how you play some of these games. I think that they're releasing or there are controllers and kind of solutions that you can do. But like I, I'm holding my iPhone. People can't see because this isn't a video, but I'm holding my like I'm going to play on this. Yeah, uh, that's a, I, a, a little weird. I think weird. the tech behind it and the idea behind it is really cool. The idea that like, hey, I could play Spider-Man on my phone whenever I want to. I just like have to hook up some weird controller apparatus. That's that's awesome. Honestly, that's one of the coolest things that I've heard coming out of Sony in a while. But yeah, I, I wonder how often I would even be tempted to utilize it just because the form factor of a phone is so annoying to play games on. Vita's on the tip of the tongue because of what's going on with it right now in terms of its ending production. I'm sure Sony has researched a new Vita and maybe R&Ding or has R&D things, but if this works, then this certainly does injure any reason to have it at all. I think you know? it's very possible that phones are just going to become the places that handhelds go eventually. I honestly think handhelds are kind of like on their last leg, with especially with Vita and like the fact that Nintendo DS is kind of dead. Switch is only unique because it's also a console. And that's the only, probably the only reason why it's still around. 
I don't know if I would have been tempted to pick up another handheld. Did you see this thing that I don't? I saw. Is it Labo or Labo? Oh, Nintendo Labo, the, Labo. the cardboard thing. Yeah. Now they released the new, or they announced the new one where it's going to make the switch into a VR headset. And as I tweeted out, like only Nintendo <laughs> can release card, like literal cardboard. cardboard. <laughs> okay, I'm not like just making that up. No, it's, it's literally literal it literally cardboard. is just a cardboard box that you put together, and everyone just feigns excitement for this. Well, Give hey, man. <laughs> Tired of it. It's like, well, Google did it. Yeah, that's what people were saying to me. Google, but I, you know, that's like, oh, okay. I, I think Google sucks too. So it was literally called Google Cardboard though. I actually fa- don't think fairness. Nintendo sucks. I actually think Google does suck. I use them for everything and they know everything about me. It's like but Amazon. It's like yeah. Amazon. It's like, ah, these people are terrible, but I'm going to get my packages real soon. Yeah. Why not? So why you know, not? That's that's a good point. Where did I, do I have it in here? No, I guess I left it in. I ordered envelopes. A hundred envelopes. It's the second anniversary of CLS soon, so I ordered new art, and I'm going to send it to our biggest supporters, uh, just a nice piece of art that's signed to celebrate the anniversary. So I ordered these envelopes. I ordered them last night, okay? And they came this morning. It's insane. I just don't understand. I, I, like, I did the prime shipping, so it's like two days, but I'm like, how did this happen? It's horrifying, to be quite frank. Probably some demonic totem being used. Yeah. Maybe some kind of like egg from a different reality. That's being hatched slowly by sure. the blood of innocence. That's interesting. I don't know. Very weird. They're doing something. Yeah, it's there. very weird. They're doing something over there that's probably of great concern. So, I mean, I'm almost positive it's of great concern, but, you know, what can we do about it? Number four, publisher Electronic Arts is following Sony's lead for E3 2019 and won't be having a press conference of any kind at the show. Instead, EA will be focusing much of its energy on its EA Play 2019 event, which actually occurs the weekend before E3 even begins, running from June 7th through June 9th. Admission to their event is free. Instead of a live stream, EA will run smaller live streams during the E3. I'm sorry, instead of a press conference, EA will run smaller live streams during E3 itself that will show off some of its new products. It remains unclear if EA will still have a show floor presence as well. I couldn't find any information on that. I don't know. I'm sure they probably will. Phil Crone wrote in and said, EA has become the next studio to drop out of E3, opting for scheduled streams of specific games. Are we heading to a future where everyone just adopts a Nintendo Direct model and carves out their own day and week for announcements? I know EA isn't doing that exactly, but it makes far more sense to me to space these announcements out if you're a publisher. This is interesting because I really do feel like E3 is buckling under its own weight now. I don't feel like it's smart for these publishers to continue to show up there when they could just announce something and carve out their own yeah, yeah. whatever. Like Sony could just say like on it's August 6th, we're going to announce all these games and that would be just as big as their ED press conference. Yeah, exactly. And they wouldn't have any other kind of competition to deal with. You yeah. know? No, I think it's smart. I know people think I hate on E3 and it's because I've been to so many of them and, and it's I'm just tired of going there. But people are like, yeah. E3 is relevant. And it's more it's more populated than ever. And I'm like, it's more populated than ever because they're inviting people to the show. I think the only reason I went to E3 last time was because I had friends that were going. I would have never gone otherwise. It's more it's far more satisfying to sit at home and watch it than it is to actually go. And I think that's kind of what I like about it is that it's the kind of Super Bowl nature of it where it's like, hey, everybody gets a thing that they're excited about. I am happy that we're seeing people kind of leave it, though, just because I feel like it lets things settle for a little bit. It's it's not as cluttered. It's not as crowded. Like last year, there was so much stuff that I couldn't even really keep track of really any of it, except for like Sekiro. That was the only thing that stood out to me because I was just like, oh, my God, there's so much here. It's like overload. It's sensory overload. And it's nice to see it kind of scaled back a little bit. I have like... What what is it? Microsoft and I guess Ubisoft. I guess will do one. Bethesda will presumably have one. Yeah. EA won't. Square Enix had that video last year, which was fine. That was perfect. Yeah. So yeah, there, so there's and, three now. Yeah. So far I, more digestible. I, I agree with you though, in the sense, Chris, that without that Super Bowl like wonder, without that excitement, it just actually 
I think it's an order of magnitude sort of thing. Like when one company pulls out, I think that that weight is felt more than the weight of that company because it starts this cascading effect. And some people are saying, well, the, all these companies will be back next year. Or Sony will come back next year. And I'm like, that's totally possible. But I think what they're going to learn and I think what we're edging towards is PlayStation experience every year being a thing where they can announce all their games, make it huge by having the real press conference there as opposed to, you know, the kind of very nerdy press conferences they used to do at PSX, which I loved. <laughs> because it was all about like these small Vita games and all that yeah, was cool, yeah. but that doesn't get anyone excited. Like, so I think we're going to have a PlayStation experience that is going to host and house the real annual E3 like press conference that will make that show a real event. And, you know, I think it's smart for all these teams to start considering and doing that. And no offense, but like, again, E3 is being catered towards like a player base now that goes and plays the games and then maybe evangelizes them online or whatever. But without creators buying in, without media buying in, it really doesn't hold any weight. It's actually a massive waste of money and a massive waste of commitment. All teams have to stop doing what they're doing and make builds for the show. It's a complete nightmare. So I know that people, and rightfully so, are selfishly excited about E3. But from a development standpoint, from a publisher standpoint, from a money standpoint, from a time standpoint, none of it makes any sense. I'm happy to see EA leave and hopefully we'll continue to see this cascading away from it. And then we'll, you know, have little E3s like every couple months. And I think that's much more exciting. And by the way, this also lets me focus entirely on Xbox, this E3, which is going to be fun. Yeah, it's going to be a fun one. I think we'll actually do an episode of the show only about Xbox, which I think will be fun because I think it is incredibly relevant to our audience and to, you know, what Sony will do in the future. I think we have to very much focus on what Xbox will do first. Well, especially at E3 because they're going to have probably the biggest presence. Indeed. I'm excited, honestly, just to see what the hell happens. Me too. I'm super stoked to see what Xbox does. You know, a lot of rumors, you know, of a new discless Xbox One, of there being a discless next Xbox. I saw that, yeah. I don't know. We're going to find out. Number five. Last week, we briefly discussed THQ Nordic's widely condemned snafu in which it attempted to conduct an AMA on infamous message board 8chan and some, with somewhat disastrous results. So this week, it would only be fair to report that the publisher has acknowledged its mistake and apologized. THQ Nordic CEO Lars Wingfers released the following statement, quote, This letter is to offer my sincerest apologies and regret for THQ Nordic Vienna's interactions with the controversial website 8chan last Tuesday, February 26th. I condemn all unethical content this website stands for, even if no one within the THQ Nordic group would ever endorse such content. I realize simply appearing there gave an implicit impression that we did. As co-founder and group CEO of THQ Nordic, I take full responsibility for all of THQ Nordic's actions and communications. I have spent the last several days conducting an internal investigation into this matter. I assure you that every member of the organization has learned from this past week's events. I take this matter very seriously, and we will take appropriate action to make sure we have the right policies and systems in place to avoid similar mistakes in the future, end quote. Since we talked about it, I, since I thought it would only be fair. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That we mentioned that. I have nothing else to really say about it, though. Do yeah. you? Not really. I didn't really think it was that big of a deal in the first place. Me neither. I mean, it's certainly in very bad taste, but I don't think it's like worth the world ending. And that goes to what I was saying earlier about having mental block with side quests, because I was even thinking about writing about that. And I'm like, there's just this is dumb. This is just feeding this <laughs> yeah. cycle. I got to wait for something meaningful to happen. Yeah. Number six. Yakuza spinoff game Judgment is officially coming westward exclusively on PlayStation 4. The game is set to launch on June 25th in the West and will be published, as always, by Sega. The game launched in Japan back in December of last year. The game's Wikipedia page describes it as, quote, a legal thriller set in the Yakuza world, end quote. Tanner Brandt wrote in and said, hey, guys, it was just revealed that Judgment, the new game by the Yakuza studio, will release on June 25th. But if you pre-order the digital version, you get it on June 21st. How do you feel about this as a way to incentivize people to purchase the digital version? What do you think of that, Chris? That's fine. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> honestly, to me, it's like ever since, especially with, with Anthem's like weird release schedule, everything seems like benign in comparison. So, and yeah, the divisions do the same thing, right? We, yeah, no, exactly. Were, we were talking about that where 
Because before I got a code and before I did, I was going to just buy the $100 special edition to get. But really, I was only getting the season pass for early access to already free content and the ability to play three days early yeah. for 40 bucks. Yeah. And I just I don't know. I, people think this is predatory. And by the way, there's one more that's $119. And I couldn't even figure out what that gave me. You know, that that doesn't come with the other one. I think yeah. I got like a shotgun or something. So. I see how people find this predatory, but again, let your wallet speak. Yeah, I feel like the people who are going to pay a little bit extra to play it early are probably going to be the ones who would have done it anyway. I got to be honest, if I had I, this week's a little muddled for me, so I don't know that I'm going to have an incredible amount of time to play the division initially, but I'm so excited about the division too. Like I'm authentically looking forward to it. That yeah. I might have paid the extra $40 just to play it a little bit early. You think like, so? Not even worrying about because by the time the season pass content comes out, I'm going to be long done with the division. That's too. true. Yeah. That's so I'm, I'm literally only paying. I'm, it's like the equivalent of thirteen dollars and thirty three cents a day to play it early, you know, plus the sixty dollar fee of admission, whatever. Yeah. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Last week, with little concrete information to go on, we briefly reported on the fact that some Anthem players were having major issues with the game on PlayStation 4, with some even reporting catastrophic crashes and bricked consoles. Finally, BioWare itself has spoken out about the issue after rumor of Sony providing almost unprecedented refunds for the game. Chad Robertson, who is the developer BioWare's head of live services, tweeted that he and the team have, quote, identified several causes for the temp power down crash some PS4 users experience. Fixes for the top issue are in the patch next week, so that's this week. If you encounter a game crash where your PS4 console won't respond, you can manually power down and restart it. No risk of damage. After thorough review, we have not encountered an instance where Anthem has bricked a PS4 console, end quote. So an important piece of news. Yeah. And I did not believe that particular part of it to begin with, because that is an unbelievable thing that to get through QA, especially for a AAA game. Yeah, I, I, I kind of had extreme doubts. Everybody, because I remember I was playing it on uh, stream and everybody was like, watch it. It's, it's going to break your console. And I was like, I don't think so. I really doubt. I really doubt, especially on a pro. Yeah. Especially like may I could see maybe like a base PS4 that's like shambling on its on its last leg. It's got like a cane. It's got smoke coming out of the back. Maybe maybe then like a clicker, but, like a clicker, like a freaker freaker. I, I really man. I'm trying to think of other zombie. Names I like don't it. like just call them zombies. The White please. Walkers. Are they zombies? The White Walker. I don't know. I don't know enough to know if they're zombies or not. They definitely have an undead army. I don't know if they're considered zombies or not. I don't mm. want to get any further than that in case someone yells at me for spoiling. Yeah. A show that's been out for 10 years. Number eight. Sony has been quietly breaching the fledgling underutilized and underappreciated Chinese gaming scene for some time, and the company has revealed that seven new games are PS4 bound through the so-called China Hero Project. I think this is super cool that they do this, by the way, because China, as everyone knows, a very closed off communist nation in which people are not able to freely create and freely proliferate their goods and stuff. So Sony has breached the wall and are bringing some games westward. According to website Push Square, these seven Chinese-developed games are PlayStation 4 bound at yet undetermined times in the future and will all be launched in the West. The stealth game Evo Tinction, Evo Tinction, 
the survival game ran Lost Islands, the online centric Convale area, action RPG AI limit, 2D Metroidvania style game Fist, horror game in Nightmare, and 2D action RPG Anno Mutant. Mutant, mutantinum, 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 mutantinum. Very good, thank yeah. you, Chris. Mutantinum, tionum. I'm whatever. only learning the, the hell that, whatever hell that word is. I'm curious about a Chinese horror game. That's that, that's interesting to me. Let's call the bread lines. Number nine, <laughs> niche publisher NIS or Nippon Ichi Software. <laughs> held its annual showcase where it revealed a series of new Western releases of Japan, of Japanese games. Japan. <laughs> Japan. Yeah, Japan. Japanese games for PlayStation 4 and yes, indeed, PS Vita. For starters, website Gamatsu reports that Utahware Uromono, Prelude to the Fallen, is coming westward in 2020 and will also be released for both PS4 and Vita. So a Vita game in 2020. The publisher also revealed that it's bringing RPG Destiny to connect TikTok travelers to Western PS4s in the fall, while NIS will also be bringing the Alliance Alive HD remastered to the PS4 this fall which I think was already on 3DS. So NIS, Nippon Itchy Software, continuing to do God's work in the name of PlayStation Vita. Number 10, as it does every month, Sony has revealed the most downloaded games on the PlayStation Network this time for the month of February 2019. The top 10 most downloaded games on PS4 were, four were in order. Anthem, Jump Force, Grand Theft Auto 5, Rainbow Six Siege, Kingdom Hearts 3, Far Cry 5, NBA 2K19, Far Cry New Dawn, FIFA 19, and Red Dead Redemption 2. Interesting that, by the way, Far Cry 5 was higher than New Dawn. Yeah. PS Vita's top 10 most downloaded games were in order. God of War Collection, Persona 4 Golden, Minecraft, Jack and Daxter Collection, Zero Escape, The Nonary Games, Drowning, Shiren, uh, The Wanderer, The Tower of Fortune, and The Dice of Fate, Undertale, Stardew Valley, and Mine Zero. I just started playing Stardew Valley again on Vita last night. I don't know. I just don't know if I get it. Yeah, my friends really like it. It's too much for me. It's a lot. PSVR's top 10 most downloaded games were in order. Beat Saber. Super Hot VR, Job Simulator, Rick and Morty Virtual Rickality, PlayStation VR Worlds, Creed Rise to Glory, Astrobot Rescue Mission, Borderlands 2 VR, Until Dawn Russia Blood, and Farpoint. Apex Legends was the month's most popular free-to-play game, while Grand Theft Auto San Andreas was the month's most popular PlayStation Classic. I'm a little concerned about this PSVR list because it's just continually the same games. It's yeah. not the sign of a, a healthy ecosystem at all. No. And I know that they're, they don't expect to do a lot with PSVR, but you see these same games every month. Super Hot, Job Simulator, Rick and Morty, PlayStation VR Worlds, you know, Astrobot, Until Dawn, Farpoint. It's like the same shit. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's nothing coming out. The thing is, is that there are games coming out. It's just that no one's playing them, I guess. Or they're not well, good yeah. or they're not being down. I don't know. You know, there's VR games almost every week. So I watch that list with great interest, Chris, because it reminds me of when we talked about Vita a few months ago, where NPD Group released the top 10 best selling Vita games in North America, and they all came out by 2012. Like yeah. all of them <laughs> were out by 2012. I think Killzone was maybe the latest one. I think that was 2013. Well, VR in particular, is such it's just such a pain in the ass to set up that I feel like to get people playing it, you have to have something that people are really excited about. I, I don't feel like people go on PSVR to casually browse games you know what i mean they, they go there for a specific experience that they've heard about or that right. they're excited about and that tends to be astrobot beat saber all these things that people know about and it's not going to necessarily draw a lot of attention to smaller vr titles yeah you're right the nature of vr right now number 11 chris is a wrap-up the official playstation blog has revealed that dungeon crawler vaporum is coming to playstation 4 in april the official blog also reports that hack and slash survival game rift breaker is ps4 bound in the near future and that shrine 4 the nightmare prince is coming to ps4 this fall Kotaku reports that the 2017 Daybreak-developed game H1Z1 has been renamed yet again. It's now called Z1 Battle Royale. Oh my goodness. You can still play it on PS4, but you will now find it under that name. 
Website Push Square reports that popular Metroidvania The Messenger has been rated for PS4 release by Peggy, the European Games Rating Board, which indicates its PS4 launch is imminent. That looks great. Yeah, I'm very excited to play it. The website also reports that impressive looking game, The Sinking City, which also looks super cool, has been delayed until June to give it more room to breathe in the release schedule. Game Informer notes that Control, the seldom discussed upcoming multi-platform game by former Xbox affiliated studio Remedy, is set for launch this summer. That will be on PlayStation That's right. 4. And finally, website Kamatsu reports that open world game American Fugitive has been announced for launch on PlayStation 4 and that action RPG Niflheim is coming to PS4 this spring. I forgot about Control. I'm looking forward to that. I forgot about it, too. It looks cool. I mean, it looks like uh, not Alan Wake, but what's the other one? Uh, uh, Quantum, Quantum Break. Break. So I like Remedy. Yeah, I'm looking forward to playing it and seeing it. But it's true. No one's talking about it. I think the summer is our right time to release it, though. Yeah. 100%. July would be a great time to release that game. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Now, Chris, it's time to read the new releases. You can go first or second. Remember, we're going to put up a poll concurrent to this going live, which the patrons will be able to determine if we continue to do this or not. So this might be the last one. Will you go first or will you go second? All right. Uh, combing through to make sure there's no Japanese things that I can't say. Mm. Looks like we're good. I'll go first. Okay. Blood Waves comes to PS4. Repel the attacks of the living dead using traps, defensive barricades, and close and long-range combat. Destroy zombies, get cash, and prepare yourself for the next wave. Choose the optimal strategy to survive. My optimal strategy for survival is Uber Eats and bed. Lots of sleep. I, I had Jack in the Box last night. Yeah. And I, I, wo I woke up at like, I went to sleep and I woke up at like 2 a.m. Feeling so horrible. Just so horrendous. Did you get it delivered? Yeah. Yeah, that's the best kind of Jack in the Box. It's a little lukewarm. See, I had, the last time I had Jack in the Box, as I recall, I was coming home from a Dredge concert like seven years ago. And I literally shat blood that night. Oh, well, good. Hmm. Dissidia Final Fantasy NT Free Edition comes to PS4. You can play part of Dissidia Final Fantasy NT for free. You can play online and offline battles with pre-selected characters that change weekly and battle online against users from the full version. Ghost of a Tale comes to PS4. You are Tilo, a courageous minstrel mouse on a perilous quest to find his true love. Okay. You st <laughs> <laughs> Use stealth and cunning as you explore Dwindling Heights Keep from its tallest towers to its deepest dungeons, evading its dangers and discovering its most ancient secrets. One Piece World Seeker comes to PS4. Leave your compass behind and join Luffy as he embarks or is it Luffy as he embarks on a brand new action-packed adventure where you can experience the powers of the legendary Gum Gum Fruit to uncover hidden secrets on an original never-before-seen island. Time to set sail. Say that again, compass? Compass, yeah. All right. I mean, it's spelled C-O-M. Yeah, I yeah, know you're right. I just say compass. People, people make fun of me for that. I, I, when I said it, I knew it. I knew some. I didn't realize the person was going to be in the room right now saying <laughs> it. But I knew someone out there would say something. I, I didn't realize the proximity. <laughs> Rico comes to PS4. Two cops, one case, and only 24 hours to take them down. Face off against criminal gangs in an exciting, procedurally generated action movie FPS. Oh, that sounds kind of neat. Mm. Join forces with a friend, online or locally, and take down those crooks in true buddy cop style. Goddamn crooks. A buddy cop game. That sounds pretty neat. That's yeah. interesting. 
The Arc Slinger comes to PSVR. Get your trigger finger ready for a fast shoot in VR world of the Arc Slinger. Entrusted with the mythical gun Angel Heart. I feel like we already read this. You must take down the villainous Goldsmoke and his dastardly gang. Do you have what it takes to become the Arc Slinger? This reminds me, by the way, that we read Poyo Poyo Tetris last week, which I thought didn't come to PS4 yet. It came out like a year and a half ago. Why was that on the list? Uh, yeah. I mean, I copied and pasted it. Hey, listen, man. The wisdom of the drop. Maybe they released it again. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe they did. <laughs> Puyo Puyo Tetris 2, but the two is silent. The Caligula Effect Overdose comes to PS4. School is back in session. The Caligula Effect Overdose boasts enhanced visuals and gameplay, including new characters, new scenarios, new endings, and the mysterious Forbidden Musician route. All right. All right. The Division 2 comes to PS4. The fate of the free world is on the line, and Tom Clancy's The Division 2. Lead a team of elite agents into a post-pandemic Washington, D.C. to restore order and prevent the collapse of the city. The Wizards Enhanced Edition comes to PS4. Become a powerful sorcerer with with a host of mighty spells at your fingertips uh, and protect the realm of Meliora. The Wizards is an acclaimed action-adventure game with a unique gesture-based spellcasting system designed for PS Move controllers. Is this that one with the book from no, years ago? Wonder no, that's Wonderbook. Bo- uh, Wonderbook, right. I was thinking maybe this was Sorcery, which was another game like this, but that's not Yeah, I remember Sorcery either. too. Yeah, Sorcery was actually probably th- maybe the best PlayStation Move game on PS3. I mean, probably. Sports Champions was pretty good. I like Sports Champions. The trifecta of actually good games was Sports Champions, Medieval Moves, and... The Sorcery, or Sorcerer, or whatever they're called. I don't even remember. I can't even remember what it was called, so I guess it wasn't that good. <laughs> Chris, that's all the games for this week. There's only nine of them. Yeah, not a lot. The Division 2, obviously, is the one everyone wants to keep an eye on. We'll play it, and we'll have copious conversation about it next week. Chris, as we always do, let's wrap up with eight questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, and ideas from the audience that haven't already been read. All right, let's do I it. I originally had ten in here, because I was going to do something two. special, but I read two of them already. So now we're back to eight. The world wants to reduce us to what is natural. <laughs> And that is the number eight. It's not even the, it's just the universe doing it. James Monzello wrote into us, Chris, and said, yo, Chris and Colin, is games as a service just a bullshit genre? Here's how I see it. Devs are trying to make one game that continually brings in revenue for years. Gamers want a game with meaningful and fresh content also for years. But it seems to me far more often than not, neither are attaining this utopian state of pay gaming bliss. Would developers as creators and gamers both be satisfied by distinct and polished gameplay experiences that begin, middle, and end, with, or he really should say with begin, middle, and ends that are appropriate? I like this question. I wanted to read this question because I have a problem with this too, simply because on one hand, it doesn't resonate with me. On the other hand, there are games that I would play ad nauseum forever. Scrabble we played. By the way, I'll have you know 10,000 people almost watched us play Scrabble. And you should read the comments on that video. I'm never going to read those comments. So much frustration about everything we miss. Of course. So much anger. That's what board games are. They're just like vehicles by which everybody else can see how stupid you are. Right. And then they get frustrated at you for not being them. It's a horrible, it's a mess. During, there was a Ubisoft flash sale this past weekend, so I bought like a bunch, I bought Watch Dogs, Watch Dogs 2, a bunch of Assassin's Creed games, but then a bunch of like, I bought Trivial Pursuit and all these, all all sorts of games. It's like 70 bucks for everything. We should do Quiplash. All right, that's that's in the jack, is that by itself? You can get it by itself. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, we should, that'll be fun. I'm an idiot though, and I bought the jackbox and then found out that you could buy it (laughs) separately. Chris, how do you feel about James's question here, comment? about really the beginning, middle, and end of a gaming experience and how it doesn't seem like the games as a service model is really fulfilling its goal. I don't know that I necessarily agree with that. I don't think it's fulfilling its goal all the time, but I just can't relate to wanting to play a video game that doesn't end, that like doesn't have anything other than loot. That's just not for me. So I know 
that this question isn't really for me to answer. It's kind of complicated. Like, I like looter shooters to the degree that, like, they're enjoyable to play, but they never really quite satisfy me as much as an FPS from, like, 10 years ago. Or, like, Doom. Doom's a pretty good example. This is this... <laughs> I have I'm pretty much contractually obligated to bring up Doom every every single time. It's in your contract. Yeah, but I mean Doom is a satisfying game and it's got a beginning, middle, and end. It plays really well, and I still pop it in every now and then because it's enjoyable to play. Mm. Um, even old ass games on the 360, like the Halo series, I still play the old Halo games, like still because they're just satisfying FPS games that have a beginning, middle, and end, and don't entice you to play with anything more than hey, this game's good. Don't you want to play it? There's no like, hey, you should play Destiny this week because there's a new gun that you can get or like, hey, there's new uh, there's a new update to the roster, new game mode. It's like you, you should want to play a game because it's fun to play. And I feel like that's kind of not really a philosophy that's really catered to in the games of the service realm. realm. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, look at that. Look at that. Yeah, the same word. I'm, I'm, it's not really my thing either. I, I, Resident Evil 2 is a great example of just like a game that's just finished and it was fantastic and I'm still playing it actually. Like I'm going through all the different runs and it's an enjoyable game and I wish more games would just finish and I, end so I that I can too. put them down and go on to something else. What would be interesting, this might not be smart at all actually, but it's an interesting idea, is would it be possible to do a Destiny or Division-like game that immediately had a, a lifetime? Like, a, like a, from the beginning, they're like, we want to support this game for two years, for two years, we're going to play this game and then it's going to be over, you know? And I, I know that that seems like unintuitive. Why would they do that, for instance, when in 2015 or was it even 2014 when Rainbow Six Siege came out at the end of that year and just is still good? Like they could have put a two, you know, two year limit on that and made another game. But that thing's printing money. So I know from a marketing and from a publishing standpoint, that doesn't make a lot of sense. But I would be really intrigued by something that gave you this earnest feeling of imminence. Part of the experience of playing The Division just as an example, is playing it right now because that's when we're playing it. The game's going to be dead in two years. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And we're going to move on to something else. In other words, could we meld games as a service and the expectations of that and the loot grind and all the OCD things that that scratches for so many people with something that's finite so that we have something to look forward to in the moment and then we know it's also going to end. It's kind of like the way Bitcoin was described to me where Bitcoin ends naturally. At one, no matter how much money you make <laughs> off of it, it ends. It's over. I think the thing that ruins a lot of these games is the 10-year plan because they have this story that they map out and then they just tell you a modicum of it because that's all they can afford to tell you because that's what their 10-year plan dictates. What you need to do is if you're going to do a games as a service game that has a story that you want to tell, finish that story. Finish that story the first time and then if it's successful... And a chance start will be if it's a complete and finished story that's satisfying and has a beginning, middle, and end. Then you can worry about the next thing, and then you can have a lot of fun figuring out where to go from there. The ten-year plan is like it'd be like if the first Metal Gear lasted for ten years. Like, oh, you, imagine infiltrating Shadow Moses for ten years. Like, come on, we need to end, especially with these games that boast narratives. Like Destiny boasted like this great narrative. I don't know if the Division is really boasting that so much. Anthem certainly had that kind of expectation with Bioware going in, and they just didn't deliver because they have these weird self-imposed artificial elongations of the plot that don't need to be there. When right, you just, just, to, just to justify the same gameplay loop. Yeah, just give us the story. The people are going to react well to that. Dare I say games as a disservice, because I think that sometimes ga these games... Listen, if all you want to do for the rest of your life, like Steve Wozniak at Apple is notorious for like all he plays is Tetris on the original Game Boy. Like that's like his obsession. He's played it for like decades now. Yeah. If that's all you want to do, I'm not going to judge you. So if all you want to do is play whatever then play it forever. But I think it is a disservice in the sense that it's just, it's garnering gamers and turning their backs away from other experiences that might be useful. And even just for a few days or a moment, 
And that's the thing that I think I'm glad about and not being kind of wrapped up in all this shit for the most part. Like with the Division 2, I'm literally just looking at it as another game that I'm going to beat and yeah. then move on from. I don't have any interest in playing it with anyone. And, you know, I'm not saying that I'm normal for that. That's not <laughs> what normal people do in the Division. Yeah. But what I am saying is, is that this mantra allows me to keep an open mind for the games that are out there that I want to play. I don't want to just be wrapped up in a few games a year. I mean, look at my trophy list and anyone can see like I, I don't want to rush through games, but I don't want to like just be wrapped up in this one thing and miss all this other shit. We all just being in the PlayStation ecosystem, at least I'm so focused on it. We just miss everything naturally or lots of things naturally. So I don't want to limit my experiences even more. So games as a disservice from a narrative and from a gameplay perspective, I think is something to really look into and be aware of. I'm always looking for something new to play, like the occupation we were talking about last week. That game looks great. It's getting bad reviews, mostly because it doesn't run stably. So I was Glad to read that. I'm just going to play it in the future at some point when it's patched. And that allows me to experience something else. Yeah. You know, and so on and so forth. So maybe I'm a little more calculated like that. Maybe it's because I do it professionally, but I'm always wanting to play what's next or not what's next necessarily, but play something different. I just feel like multiplayer games can subsist on being just fun to play. If you're making a game and you're worried about like, how can we hook players in to keep playing? It's like you're asking the wrong question. Like your game should be fun to play already. If you have to hook people in with like shiny toys, yeah, then you're not making a game really. You're you're kind of making a platform for people to just congregate and talk about the next new thing. That's true. That's a good point. Although I do understand the fear because there's so much competition, right? That's part of the conversation we obviously have to bring up. That would be a little not to bring up is that a lot of these maps and this kind of stickiness comes from the fact that like they're just these players are just going to get stolen. You're going to see a bunch of Anthem players never play Anthem again after this week. I'm sure. And that's no disrespect to Anthem. I don't have any personal experience with Anthem. I just know that Anthem is just it doesn't have the buzz like you could tell with Evolve, for instance, like immediately. Like it was just no matter yeah. how good it was, you could just tell it didn't have the vibe. It didn't have the buzz. It didn't have the Left 4 Dead quality to it. Right. Exactly. So we'll see what happens. Michael Lepper wrote into us and said, hey, Colin and Chris, I just recently went back and played the Batman Return to Arkham collection on the PS4. The Arkham trilogy was always one of my favorite franchises in gaming. In that collection, is Arkham Origins, Origins in it, too? I, I don't, don't know think if it so. Is. With E3 slowly approaching, do you think we will hear soon what's next from Rocksteady? And if so, what do you guys think it will be? Thanks, guys, and keep fucking that chicken. I don't think we're going to see anything from Rocksteady, to be honest. I don't know. So the rumor, the longstanding rumor from people I trusted was that it was Justice League. And then I think they came out, I think Sefton or one of those guys that works over there came out and said, like, it's not Justice League. So is it Superman? Is it the Avengers? But I think the Avengers is being made by Square Enix. Yeah. Or specifically by Crystal Dynamics. And we haven't seen that either. I feel like they're probably working on a new IP. I think that's why they haven't been. That would be cool. I think that's why they haven't been forward about it. That would be, for the future health of the studio, that would be very smart. Yeah. Now, I don't know if they could really do what they did with Batman with any other suit. Like Superman is so specifically like uh, Superman sucks. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You just run around and just kill everybody. It just reminds me of the Anthem situation where it's just like you really got to put your mind to it to make flying fun. Like flying is especially as a base character. It's just like it's really uninvolved for the most part in a lot of games. Just moving forward and up and down. Yeah. It's not the most exciting thing in the world. I will say that the idea of them making something new is quite tantalizing. Yeah. Quite tantalizing. Very talented studio. And hey, I didn't play Arkham Origins, but I've heard from many people that that game gets short shrift specifically because WB Montreal made it. This is the same kind of shit you see with other games. Bioshock 2, another great example. Like I just don't see that much of a difference between Bioshock 2 and Bioshock from a quality standpoint. I mean, the original Bioshock's better. But I don't see that much of a difference from what I've told between Arkham City, for instance, and Arkham Origins. I always felt like that was kind of sad. I mean, that's typically how things go, though, with with trilogies. And like if you have a prequel, it's typically just kind of left out just for the sake of it. Yeah. Even even, um, back in the day, Bungie, when their last game was a prequel and like people still refer to the Halo trilogy. 
Like people don't think about reach really. Well, that's fair enough. Thank you. Yeah, that's how it goes. Eric Adams wrote into us, Chris. Eric? It said, esteemed gentlemen of the sacred symbols, on the latest episode, you discussed the value proposition of PlayStation Plus now that it only offers two free PS Plus games as part of the service. I just want to jump in there. That's not all you get. So I want to be clear about that. You get cloud saving and yeah. discounts and stuff. But yeah, in terms of the free games, we used to get six. Now we get two. And that was because of PS3 and Vita waning. So I just want to throw that out there for the audience. I recently read some speculation online that Sony could be making room for the possibility of combining PS Plus and PS Now as an answer to Xbox Games Pass. What have you heard or do you have any opinion on the matter? It's not like PS Now needs help with subscribers, but with the rumors of Microsoft's aggressive gamer-centered approach to its next console, Sony needs to be proactive rather than reactive when it comes to the future of their services. Very well put, Eric. Yeah. This is entirely possible. I think it would be very smart for Sony to do something with PS Now and kind of get it in there. And as we said last week, and I do want to have a mea culpa again, we've really given PlayStation Now short shrift on this show. I know a lot of people enjoy it and use it. We don't want to be that way. Yeah. So I want to make sure to give it its due. Would you, would that make more sense for you to say, like, we get two PS Plus games for PS4, no VR games like we were hoping, and then you get PS Now access or you get discounted Now access? Or what, what would you I think say? That would make, yeah, I think that would make sense. Yeah, that'd be a good idea. I think so, too. Yeah. What's funny, though, is that with Sony not being an E3 and with the silence kind of growing and mounting, I don't know, we'll, we'll dedicate more shows to it specifically after we know what Xbox is doing. But Sony really is strangely quiet. They're either quiet because they don't know what to do or they're quiet because they really do have a bonanza of things ready to go for PS5. And I'm hoping for the latter. Someone wrote into me last week and was like, Colin, you got to believe more, you know, like you got to <laughs> believe more. And the person brought up the point that Sean Layden very openly talking about PS3's failures, which Sony never did before, is an open admission that I think that they're learning from their past. And this person might be right. Yeah, no, I think that's a, that's probably the best sign we've had so far. So we'll see. Uh, they have to do something in PlayStation Plus. Remember, PlayStation Plus went up in price not too long ago. You have to have it now. You didn't have to have it to play online with PS3. So it's a it's really a mandatory thing to have if you want to have the full PlayStation experience. So I think adding more value to that would be great. And Game Pass is like, with Crackdown 3 recently, everyone's talking about like Game Pass's value is so great because you don't have to buy Crackdown 3, which is not worth buying apparently, but you can at least play it. Yeah. You know, so we'll see what happens. Bobby Jennings wrote into us. Maybe perhaps related to Ken Jennings of Jeopardy fame or Peter Jennings of the ABC News said, hey, Colin and Chris, longtime listener, first time writing in. One of my favorite games of all time is The Legend of Dragoon. The gameplay being the best part of the game. The graphics still hold up even now, and I'd say the story is pretty okay for a JRPG. Anyway, the point of all of this was just to say, what's the chance of us getting a remake or a PS4 port of this game? I think even at this point, I'd take a simple port with trophy support. Thanks for reading and keep up the amazing podcast. Really helps with the work week. You're very welcome, Bobby. Thank you. And tell Peter I said hello. I think Peter Jennings might actually be dead, so don't tell him I said all. Maybe. Is Peter Jennings dead? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. And I'm just assuming you're related. It's 50-50. No, it's 2020, but that's that's Barbara Walters and Hugh Downs. Uh, that was a pretty good joke, right? Okay. I'll uh, give it to yeah, you. Yeah, that was a pretty good joke. As angry as it made me. Yeah, it did seem to make you a little upset. Legend of Dragoon was a Japanese role-playing game that was released late in the PS1 era. It was actually produced by Shuhei Yoshida, which is an interesting little tidbit for you guys out there. And... It was supposed to get a sequel, but never did. The sequel was actually in development for a while. This game, for some reason, Chris, stays in the hearts and minds yeah. of PlayStation players for a it's long a time. It's a resonant game. And that says something to me. I, I kind of shoot, you know, poo-pooed it and been like, whatever, who cares? For a long period of time, but no one brings up a bunch of other shit. Like Ghost Hunter and Colony Wars and all this random ass shit, right, that PlayStation made back in the day. But they bring up Legend of Dragoon. And so I don't think you're going to see it, maybe a remake or a sequel, but a port it would be fun to bring a port. Yeah, a port is definitely possible. There I would say a, even probably likely. Yeah, that would be nice. At a, some point. A, a trophy eyes type thing would be good, like they did with Final Fantasy VII with, with Square Enix and with Final Fantasy VII and Final Fantasy IX. 
So we can certainly do that, or that can certainly be done. But I am starting to pay more and more attention to the fact that this game does have some sort of fan base that maybe deserves some attention. And what's interesting about Legend of Dragoon, with rare exception, like Destiny of Spirits on Vita and stuff like Sony really doesn't make internal Japanese role playing games. So that's what is so interesting about this game. This was made by them. It wasn't, you know, made by Media Vision like Wild Arms wasn't published by Sony. So there's a little bit of an interesting provenance to this game as well. And obviously, like I said, Shuhei Yoshida's producing the game makes it kind of special as well. You would think if he cared enough about the game, he would push behind the scenes for them to do something with it. But Azan wrote into us, Chris. Oh, said, hey, Colin and Chris, hope this post finds you both well. My question for this week is about the game of the year edition. What is it? For what purpose? Is it a marketing tool to reignite our attention? And should we consider it instead of the initial day one release? Well, I think it's obvious is on. And I don't know if Chris has any input in on this, but it's a marketing tool. Yeah, and it's a way to make it re-release the game cheaper and just give you everything that all the DLC. It's just a way for them to, to make more money on the back end of a game. Yeah, obviously. Like half of these games don't even win game of the year. Yeah, I know. And, and every game is probably someone's game of the year anyway. <laughs> like that's probably what it really means. This is Dan's game of the year. Right, exactly. There are some funny game of the year editions. I wish I could remember what some of them were where it's like... You can understand why X, Y, and Z would have Game of the Year edition, but then I remember seeing games like, no one, nom like, who nominated this for Game of the Year, you know, or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think as on as, you know, cynical as it is, I think it's just a marketing tool, and I think it's actually very useful. Like, if you missed Fallout 4 in 2015 and you waited a year or a year and a half, you can get the Game of the Year edition for 30 or 40 bucks that has all the DLC. It's, it's actually kind of a nice little ode to those who waited, you know, and those who didn't want to beta test or didn't want to be part of the conversation yeah. quotes. So I think you have to just look at it cynically like that as on. I don't think it exists for any other reason than to remarket a game. Remember when you sell a game on the market, most of its sales, sometimes like 80 or 90% of its sales come in the first few weeks. So you have to have something hanging around to buck the pre-owned market to make your game relevant again, maybe to get people excited for the upcoming game, etc. There's lots of reasons, but it's all about money, of course. Shawnee Mack wrote into us and said, hey, Colin and Chris, love what y'all are doing with Sacred Symbols. The Resistance series is perhaps my favorite video game franchise of all time. But ever since its conclusion, I've been craving a FPS rich in lore to sink my teeth into. The Killzone series satisfied that itch to an extent, but that series appears to be dormant as well as with the success of Horizon Zero Dawn. Do you think Sony will ever delve back into this genre anytime soon through the revival of one of these series or a new IP? Or do you believe that they've found it best to concede the FPS genre to big dogs of the industry like COD, Battlefield, Halo, etc.? We've talked a little bit about this in the sense, Chris, that I think it would be really wise for them to bring Killzone back specifically. Yeah. And I don't like the idea in such a rich genre like first person shooters for Sony to just say, you know what, like the other guys do it better. We don't need to do it. And that's not true. Like actually your major competition has a substantial first person shooter franchise in Halo that they're going to be beating the drum on this year. Yeah. And you want to be able to satiate and satisfy that audience on your own platform, which, by the way, I think has come over in more droves since PS4 launched. I think shooters were not being played widely on PS3 compared to PS4. So I think no, you want to feed that audience. And I think doing that with Killzone or Resistance, Resistance I love too, as everyone knows, but I think Killzone makes more sense and Killzone certainly is more popular. So I really am of the mind. Some people have been like, oh, they should make Horizon instead of Killzone. I'm like, no, they should make both. And they should split their team in two and make both. And I, and I still am somewhat convinced that they're going to do that. So I've said that before. I don't want to be, you know, redundant. But what do you feel about this, Chris? Do you think that Sony should kind of concede the first-person shooter genre to those that, quote-unquote, do it better? Or should they sink their teeth into something that is proprietary? No, I think they should try it. I think Killzone is the best bet, as much as I would actually kind of prefer a Resistance game, just because those games feel a lot more classic to me. Killzone is fine, I think. 
But I think you'd see a lot of excitement over a Resistance Resurrection. I think that'd be a mate. Well, that's a good name. Love it. But I think that would get a lot of people talking like, what? Resistance is back? Whoa. I feel like it it would just trigger a lot of people's nostalgia in a lot of of really positive ways. And it it would let Gorilla focus on um, whatever it is they're doing with uh, Horizon. You're absolutely right, Chris, because Resistance being stranded on PS3 was obviously didn't do the series any justice. I think that that series is way better than people think it is, especially two and three and especially three. I think three is a phenomenal game. So bringing Resistance back would be really exciting. But yeah, I think we're in agreement. Killzone makes more sense. And I don't know. I just don't like the idea of Sony conceding anything to anyone. They should get involved. Like with SOCOM, for instance, like I'm convinced they'll bring SOCOM back because why wouldn't you bring SOCOM back to try to compete with the likes of Rainbow Six Siege or, you know, these kind of smaller, confined online multiplayer experiences. SOCOM would be cool to see again, too. I think that that would be a no brainer. You know, yeah. What's sad about Killzone and what's sad about Resistance is the last time we saw both games was through the eyes of another studio because Mercenary came out around the time Shadowfall came out, but that was made by Cambridge Studio, which doesn't exist anymore. And obviously Resistance was made by a studio called Nihilist in Northern California, which is, and that game sucks. So it's just a shame that that might be the last we see of those franchises is through the eyes. Now, Killzone Mercenary on Vita was a great game, but I don't want it to be limited. Yeah. You know what would be great? <laughs> they should bring Hayes back. Hayes. Now that was... <laughs> that was something special for people that don't know. Hayes was a shooter came to PS3, I think in 2008 and it was about like this nectar. Yeah. Like that it, you drank or something. It would get you like, they were basically steroids. Yeah. It was a really weird game. <laughs> it looked all, it looked so bad. Yeah. The, the cover art is like really memorable. It's like a dude, like your bro dude with like a yellow helmet on that's like crumbling. It's yeah. It's like cracking. You can see his eye and it's menacing. It's really, it's got sharp edges on the text cause it's edgy. I, I can't I can't forever forget that game. Cody Manninen wrote into us and said, hey, Colin and Chris, I found that as I've gotten older, I don't find myself getting overly excited for game announcements, whether it's just that I become more patient or there are just more games to play. I can't really say good games, he says. I guess my question would be, do you get excited about upcoming game releases anymore or do you feel like there's so much to play now that waiting is just easier? Loving the show and keep up the great work. I'm kind of with them in the sense. Maybe it's just because I'm very old now and and kind of jaded. jaded. Yeah, exactly. But I don't really get excited about games until I really get to play them. But The Division 2 is an example of a game. I'm like really stoked to play The Division 2. I'm really excited to play it. And so I I think I've learned to temper my expectations so as to not get myself disappointed. I keep my expectations very low. Yeah. Not only for games, but just for people and events (laughs) in in the world. This is a general philosophy. Yeah. Just keep your expectations incredibly low and you're going to very rarely be disappointed. I feel like I used to have a pretty moderate level of excitement for like everything. Like every E3, I was like, wow, I'm excited to see that. Whoa. Exciting. We music. (laughs) Yeah. dude. By the way, we music still gave us one of the great E3 moments that guys played the drums. Oh, the best. I can't argue with that. The best. But yeah, as I've gotten older, I don't think I've gotten less excited. I just think I've gotten more excited for the things that I know. I think I just know myself a lot better and I know the games that I'm going to respond to a lot better. So I get extra excited now, like more excited than I ever used to be for specific things as opposed to just kind of like a broad layer of just like, ooh, I'm pumped for everything. Like uh, I'm super pumped for Doom Eternal. I'm super pumped for Crash Team Racing, even though I've played that already. Sekiro. You put grappling hooks in Dark Souls. Yes, absolutely. I'm excited. I'm beyond excited for all those things. I think I just gauge my excitement level based on me as a kid, me as a teenager, than me as like an adult. You know, I used to get really excited about games, like really just think about them constantly, like waiting for them to arrive. I'm more excited to get games early now just so we can actually cover them. 
You know, yeah. like there are games where like Anthem, for instance, it's like, I'll just get to it when I get to it. Yeah. You know, at this point. But again, I am a jaded old man. I think you just have to know what you what you like. And it's OK to feel excitement. Like there's this weird oh, thing. Sure. It's like excitement is not hype. There's a difference. Hmm. I feel like excitement is just like, oh, sweet. I'm looking forward to playing that. But hype is like this kind of glorification, like putting on a pedestal of like a certain game. It's like, oh, Anthem is going to be the next coming of Christ. Red Dead Redemption is going to cure my AIDS. Whoa. You know? Whoa. It's not, by the way. It won't cure it. <laughs> Probably not. It's not going to might cure make it. it easier. The great Nate has the final inquiry. Well, he says, hey, Colin, short time fan. You can thank Chris for mentioning this podcast in a recent video of his. Oh, that's very nice of you, Chris. I don't remember doing that. And hey, Chris, longtime fan, and thank you for introducing me to this podcast. I was going to say, I watch a lot of what Chris, is do Chris does. I don't think he's ever mentioned Sacred Symbols. I definitely have. I just don't remember doing it recently. You're a, you're a liar. It helps make my 4 a.m. work shift bearable. Oh, wow. Jeez, man. That's horrible. I feel like I've had similar work shifts in the past. With all of the remakes and remasters that has become popular in the last year or two, I wanted to ask if either of you have an old niche or underappreciated game that you think deserves or would like to see a be remastered or remade. I personally would like to see the Tie the Tasmanian Tiger remaster. How about y'all? All right, so for Tie the Tasmanian Tiger... I don't remember this at all. Tie the Tasmanian Tiger is a PlayStation 2 mascot platformer, basically. Yeah. Made in Australia. Oh, it's a PS2. Yeah, PS2. I don't know. That's a pretty obscure... It's not that obscure. Pretty obscure game, though. A lot of people do have a love for it. But there are plenty of obscure games that I would love to come back. We were talking the other day about Vanquish or a few episodes ago. Yeah. Uh, that's like my favorite Platinum game. And I have no, like by far. And it seems like one that people don't really talk about a lot. I would love to see Vanquish just re-released. doesn't really go back old enough, but that's the game that came yeah. to mind for me. Yeah, it doesn't need to be remastered. I, th I still think it looks pretty good. A uh, simple up res would probably do that game justice. Yeah. Because what was that? Oh... Nine, I think. Oh, nine. I think so. Maybe ten, maybe. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I feel like most of the games that I have liked from the past have already gotten them, or or, or I'm promised to be getting like medieval. Yeah, that's I'm getting. coming. I, yeah, that's uh, another game. Crash we have no Team idea. Racing is coming. So like everything that I was excited about is actually happening, which is like wild. I guess Medieval Two. It's weird that Medieval Two isn't being remastered because that I think is better. Legacy of Kane Soul Reaver. I think is a really underappreciated game. Nobody really talks about it, even though it's one of the like that was one of the first games that I remember you could impale people. <laughs> like you could, it was just such a very visceral thing for my child mind to see that. That's a really solid game. I think Wipeout would be pretty cool, just because there's a really lack, there's a distinct lack of kind of just fun arcadey racers. Yeah, another studio Sony unceremoniously shut down, yeah. unfortunately, in Liverpool. The yeah, shame. there's, I mean, there are a ton. There are a ton of games. This is why I think the conversation about Ape Escape. Yeah, <laughs> did they re they released an Ape Escape game, right? Uh, or every, maybe it was actually a port of the PS2 game. I don't know. Every single one after the first one sucks, in my opinion. I remember just renting the first one, being so excited because I could use my analog sticks in a game. Yeah, that was like one of the weirdest games I've honestly ever played. Still, like just the focus on analog sticks in that game is like really great. Spike was my character in PlayStation All Stars Battle Royale. I'll have you know, love Spike. Love. He's God a lovable bless. guy. What a iconic character Spike from Ape Escape was. <laughs> So, yeah, I think there's a bunch. I mean, this is why the, the conversation about backwards compatibility is going to be so pertinent moving forward, because we won't have to hopefully have conversations like this too often moving forward, with the exception of the games that have been left behind. In other words, hopefully many of these games, PS3, PS4 games are just brought with us and then we don't have to think too deeply about it. But yeah, lots of games out there. Tie the Tasmanian Tiger. Interesting pull. Very old. Yeah. Very niche. I don't even remember that at all. Like even vaguely. Like I can't. No, no image is coming to mind at all. I think it's a there's a boomerang in it. And I'm not even trying to be like, you know, it's Australian, so there must be a boomerang. I mean, of course, there's a boomerang in it. Yeah. But uh, I, don't, I don't remember. I don't know if I've even ever played it, but I know it. I can see the box art in the mind's eye. Chris, that's all we have. Yeah, it's a relatively light show. Yeah, there's not too much. I don't want to force it. Yeah. No, I mean, not much is happening. We're still like waiting for things to happen. Exactly. I can't force things to happen. We have to wait and see. 
But next week, we'll have a robust conversation about The Division 2 and all of the different news that happens. Remember, you can support our show on Patreon at patreon.com slash Stand. Get every episode of this show three days early ad-free. You also get perks from our other shows, including Knockback, the Retro Podcast, and Fireside Chats, the Eclectic Interview Series. We appreciate your support over there. Remember, that's also how you get exclusives. Submit questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, and ideas, etc. But if you want to listen on free feeds, you're more than welcome to do that, and we appreciate that as well. Thank you so much. Chris, do you have any final closing words? Before we leave, I wish I didn't like Devil May Cry 5 so I could tweet out more like Devil May Why. Oh, would you do this? That's a good one. You can still do it. I mean, nah. you don't want to get the nah, anger. I like it. The weeboos are going to be mad at you if you make fun. I'm going to be Devil mad at me. I'm going to look at that. It's like, why would you do that? It's so mean. Like the division more like the multiplication. I don't know. That <laughs> doesn't make any sense. Right? <laughs> that was awful. It wasn't even close to an insult. Not the division, more like, I don't know. This is not working. The division. It's not working, no, Colin. It's not working, it's not working Colin. No, I can't do it. I'm not smart enough. Chris, I appreciate you as always. Appreciate the audience out there. Thank you for your love, kindness, and support. We'll see you next week for more Sacred Symbols. Till then, bye. Take care, guys. Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast, is fan-supported over at patreon.com slash Stand. The following names are at the producer level or higher on Patreon. And I want to thank you from the very bottom of my heart for your incredible kindness and generosity. Eric Alley, C.J. Anderson, Morgan Ashley, Sean Battershaw, Martin Beck, Michael Betts, Eric Bishop, Mark Boggio, Eli Bosford, Barrett Boswell, Spencer Brand, Miguel Brewer, Lennon Brixey, Matthew Brousseau, Josh Bushing, Austin Bullock, Andrew Burkhart, Dylan Burns, Chris Buston, Alex Cabrera, Brian Cacciatolo, Will Caldwell, Patrick Harper, William O'Carroll, Brian Caulfield, Brian Chan, Travis Chandler, Sean Chandler, David Chestnut, Simon Conception Jr., Brad Cooley, Gio Corsi, Nick Cottrell, Cutter Crow, Nick Cummings, Daniel Diamore, Colin Davenport, Daniel Delanikos, Mitchell Durkash, Knight Draft, David Ellis. Martha Emery, Joe Finelli, Eric Figgenbeiner, Fotios Frangos, Michael Gallier, Chris Galvin, Blake Garcia, Connor Gashian, Alex Gates, Michael Gates, Salem Ghanem Al Ghanem, Toothless Gibbon, Daniel Glassford, Tyler Goodwin, Miranda Grubba, Tyler Harris, Kyle Hagel, Asa Haas, Azan Isa Al Ricey, Josh Yeager, Greg Julius, Anton K, Jeremy Key, James Kinslow III, Ryan R. Kittredge, Jackson Lastiqua, Donald Laws, Joe Lawson, Don Q. Lee, Patrick Leslie, Dustin Lewis, Keith Adrian Lewis, Chad Lewis, Mark Liberto, Lou and Ray Loper, Elijah Lopez, Colin Love, Josh M, Ryan T. Mandel, Peter Mark, Michael Martinez, Sean Mason, Zachariah McAdoo, Joe McPartland, Wyatt McVeigh, Dennis Meinchen, Andrew Mendoza, Christopher Middling, Albert Miranda, Patrick Malloy, Betty Ann Moriarty, Abe Mukhtar, Ryan Murdoch, Brian Nietzsche, Josh Netzel, Adam Nix, Donnie Nolan, George Anthony Nunez, Brian Ott, Jorge Palomino, Todd Paxton, Brendan Peavy, Marius S. Peterson, Enrique Perez, Nicholas Perfect, James Perrone, Eric A. Peterson, Jason Pettit, Jeff Pollard, Louis Powell, Lawrence F. Prokop, Michael Renner, Peter Reynolds, Shane Rayum, Jonathan Rice, Mark Richardson, Toby D. Riemenschneider, Austin Riley, Atenogenis Rojas, Petro Rose, A.G. Rowe, John Scholes, Chris Schaefer, Michael Shanholtz, Brandon Sharkey, Toby Schutman, Glendon Cole Simper, Joshua Smallwood, Andrew Smith, John Tabanillo, Ahmad Tamar, Joseph Thayer, Ben Thompson, Carl Tolman, Tam Tran, Adam Van Kieran, Raymond Joshua Vargas, Michael Vecchio, Ogley Waldron, Justin Wagaman, Troy Walters, Isaac Wassman, Damon Weathers, Mike Wayant, Corey Wyatt, Tony Zaniga, Hugo's Desk, Supershot ST, Wyatt Henry, Throw7, Infinite, Homeworld Hub, Mad Mock Media, Fabian, Mubarak, Sticks and Crits, Richter86, That Rescue Guy, Andrew. Andrew, Ian, Chris, Dav9834, Donk2015, and Gavin. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. 
you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that.